hours every weekday, covering everything from Torah, Parsha, holidays, and so much more. This is 101.9 High FM, Soul to Soul. 101.9 High FM, Chai Chinuch with Rabbi G. We are back as every Monday between 2 to 3, where we discuss everything that's happening around the world in education, in the community, outside the community, what will help us be better people, what will help us be a better community, a better nation, a better country, a better continent, everything we can improve in ourselves, in our families, in our communities, and go through the various things that will help us discuss the issues and improve. That's what we all want, to get a better future for ourselves and for our children and families. Very special show I have today here coming up. I'm going to have a slightly different show than usual. We're going to have one guest throughout the whole show, which is uh, very rare, as the listeners know of the show, to have one person. But just as soon as you'll hear who it is, you will agree that this is the right decision. Very shortly, we're going to start a discussion with Rabbi David Kaplan. Rabbi David Kaplan is well-known around the world as a lecturer, a rabbi, a speaker, educator, put out books about education, books about how to speak in public. And it was just fascinating to watch him this morning walk in. And as he's trying to uh, walk out of shul when he's still half asleep from the flight here to South Africa, another person, another person come up to say, oh, I learned by you, I learned by you, uh, just to see the impact that a person could have on a different country without even being there before. I don't even know if this is his first visit here to South Africa or before. Maybe we'll hear that later on. So, obviously, any questions you want to ask the rabbi or any topic you want to discuss or anything that's important for you or anything about education, please send it in. 0621482374, 0621482374. That is the WhatsApp line. And if you're in South Africa, you could as well SMS us, 34519. 34519 is the SMS line. You could always call in, in call it in, 0746547335. That is the line if you want to talk to us and email at onair at chayfem.com. We're not going to waste any time and we we're going to start, we're going to start straight discussing their interview. But I got to tell you, I am taking a big risk by uh, dedicating this show to discussion with Rabbi Kaplan since it could go very wrong interviewing somebody who could just at any point of time give a great story of when I was a little boy, immature, um, or any other stupid thing I have done in the past. So I really hope this will go well and nothing would come up uh, and we could stay in, uh, and, and enjoy this uh, very special show. So let's go right to it. Good afternoon, Rabbi Kaplan. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. My pleasure. It's not uh, my first time in South Africa. Actually, I've been here a few times before and it's always uh, a treat to come here, especially I'm on vacation time. And uh, look forward to uh, to being here for the next four days. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I think here in South Africa, we don't even realize that in the other side of the world, people are on vacation. It's such a uh, we're so into the term and into the regular day to day basis. So obviously, we're going to start with education, and I want to start discussing with a, uh, a change that's been happening in the world in the past generation. Let's say. I, somebody, I was having a discussion with somebody the other day and he tells me, you know, my understanding is that last generation, parents knew everything. No matter what, they were stubborn, they decided, they knew how to do it, you couldn't change their mind. Today, a parent comes and says, I don't know nothing, I don't know what to do, no confidence, confused, 
uh, and may be paralyzed because of that. Do you see that? The interesting question. I, I just last night, I'll tell you a story, since you mentioned that you didn't think I'd tell you a story, I'll tell you one anyway. Uh, last night at the carousel. I'm starting to get nervous. <laughs> <laughs> when the plane came in, I saw a, uh, a mother waiting with her daughter, 17-year-old daughter, 18-year-old, 19, whatever she was. And the mother said something to her about, let's take the bags and go worried at the other carousel. I said, no, no, mommy, let's just stay here. And I remember I looked at the mother and said, you know, in our days, it used to be that we told the kids what to do. Nowadays, uh, the kids the kids tell us what to do. Or even ask them what to do. <laughs> or even, you're right. <laughs> so I, I don't think, I, I, I think that uh, uh, to a certain extent, there's become more, uh, the world has become less traditional in all areas. And since uh, in the previous generation, uh, there was a very, very... Uh, very religious, uh, uh, um, loyalty to tradition, to honoring your elders and so on and so forth. As the world itself has become more liberal and, uh, everybody's entitled to their opinion and everybody's entitled to say what they want, when they want, how they want. So that has certainly caught on among the youth. I do want to Which say. Which is another issue and it- Everybody's entitled to an opinion, no matter how offensive and how painful it is to anybody. Well, with we limitations, because you'd be sued for libel, but <laughs> yes. yes uh, but kind of, we've reached that point. Uh, in, that, in, is, to a certain extent, is true. South Africans should know, however, uh, that they should be encouraged, because I do see youth from all over the world, and the South Africans still have managed to maintain a uh, a very high standard compared to the rest of the world of respect for Torah respect for rabbis, respect for elders, more than more than other areas of the world that I've noticed. Wow, which is very encouraging, since I know the rabbi has been around the world, and when you say around the world, it's uh, a, a large uh, countries of variety. Okay, so so the rabbi was talking about that there is a change that people are not as conservative. For sure. For sure. Therefore, leads us to what, 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 what do we deal with today that we haven't dealt with before? Well, obviously, uh, obviously there's technology. Obviously there's, uh, there's, uh, the culture that began in America in the sixties, which eventually got to South Africa. South Africa managed to hold out from uh, the, uh, certainly television till late to what was in the early seventies, whenever it was. Something like that. Yeah. And then the, then you have the, the, and eventually that leads to the breakdown of the rules. And there was the rules break, the rules break all over the place. So therefore, you know, why should I respect you if you're older than me? Uh, but I know the technology. I'm more in touch. Older people have, are sometimes technologically phobic. And so why, uh, what, what makes you better than I am just because you're older doesn't mean that you're any, any better and wiser. And then, and just the general disregard for social rules. Which as I've heard from kids before, what does the, my teacher know that Google doesn't? <laughs> Which is very true. It's very true. That is the attitude of the kids. Obviously, uh, obviously, uh, Google is generally more exciting than their teachers. You know, if the teachers would, uh, put a big <laughs> Google sign on their forehead, they could, uh, with a little button, a few buttons to push, it could be that'd be a little more effective. But that yeah. is very much the attitude, yes. Yeah, but, yeah. Then ask them, did you mean this? Did you mean this? So, so how do we overcome that? Uh, next question. <laughs> <laughs> I, so you know what? I, I have the next question, and maybe that will help the, this decision. I know you've put a, uh, one of the books you've put out is regarding how to run a Shabbos table. 
Okay. And I'm sure that has to do a lot with authority, with a lot with leadership, a lot with uh, how do I get my kids and family motivated in the same direction? So how do we do that? Okay. That's a, that's a very good question. Uh, the truth of the matter is like this. I just want to give a little bit of an introduction. When it comes to parenting children, people ask, have asked me numerous times, I think it's a legitimate question, what qualifies you to advise people about how to raise children? Uh, besides the fact that I come from a long line of children, uh, uh, there, there's the question of what, what exactly are your qualifications. I'll just tell you a short story. When I, uh, when I was a, uh, uh, a few years ago, maybe about 15, 20 years ago, Hamudia had contacted me to ask me to write a column on Chinuch. Okay, which is still going on. It still goes today. on. It's like every four weeks or so, every, something like that, between three and five weeks. So I when they first, forgot to mention that, the Hamudia. I'm sure but many of our listeners have read you in the Hamudia. Have they, did they get the Hamudia um, here? Yeah. Okay, so, yes. so Hamudia, you know, second to the New York Times in uh, circulation, I think. And the, uh, uh, so the Hamudia had called to ask me to write a column, and I told the lady, I'm not a, I'm not a writer. She said to me, just write the way you speak. So I said, okay, oh, well, you know, that's not so difficult. And uh, when I got off the phone, I was very flattered. I said to my wife, you know, Hamudia has offered me wants me to write about Chinuch. Right about, uh, and my wife looked at me and she said, well, what qualifies you to write about Chinook? I said, yeah, but they're paying. She said, okay, go for it. So <laughs> no, those were the, those were the, those were the qualifications. <laughs> so I've been in the trenches like all the struggling parents. And, uh, I was once, uh, one of the stories that stands out is when I came home from, uh, Shul. I came from, from, uh, from Yeshiva one day and, uh, the kids were running around and the house was in general disarray. And at a certain point, I flew off, and I had a temper tantrum, a good all-American temper tantrum. And it certain, works. It works. I was slamming doors. All of a sudden, the kids are brushing their teeth, doing their homework, everybody's scampering <laughs> off quietly. And uh, at a certain point, um, I then had to, you know, I the kids are all got busy doing what they had to do. And I walked off. I had to go to Shul to Davin, to Davin Marv. When I came back from Shul, my wife was sitting on the couch, and there was a slight smirk on her face. She was trying to suppress a smile, and I was in no mood for it. And I just said to her, you know, what, what's so funny? And she nodded with her. She said, well, when you left the house, our 10-year-old son, Plony, our 10-year-old son looked at me, and he said, and he writes about Chinoch. <laughs> so I've... I've my been, son does the same. There you go. you talk about it on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go. So uh, that's the that's really the qualification. When you're running, comes to the Shabbos table. I just have to say before we continue on, Please. I am in studio with Rabbi David Kaplan, who writes a, a education column in Hamodia, put out published books about speaking in public, about um, running a Shabbos table, and obviously a well-known speaker and educator around the world. And if anything you want to ask him, please send it in. Oh six two. One four eight two three seven four oh six two one four eight two three seven four is the WhatsApp line. You could always send an SMS if you're local three four five one nine. Send us an email at onairtchayfm dot com or call it in at oh seven four six five four seven three three five. Okay, let's continue. The Shabbos table. Uh, I think the first thing parents have to realize is number one, their kids should be looking forward to the Shabbos table all week, and the Shabbos table should be conducted in a way which is fun educational, productive, and it's a family activity. If the kids are not looking forward to the Shabbos table, you have to ask yourself why, number one. And number two, parent, especially a father, has to keep in mind that children are not coming to the Shabbos table for education. They're coming to the table for communication. There's a very big difference. They don't want another classroom. They want communication, which means they would like to be heard. Before we elaborate on that, we do have to take a short break for ads, and we will be right back. 
Two hours every weekday, covering everything from Torah, Parsha, holidays, and so much more. This is 101.9 High FM, Soul to Soul. 101.9 High FM, High Chinuch We are back discussing here uh, education, Chinuch with Rabbi Kaplan. Rabbi David Kaplan is here in studio with me. He's an author of... Uh, books like uh, public speaking, like how to run a Shabbos table, which is exactly what we were in the middle of discussing right now. You may know him from writing uh, in Hamudia, or you may just know him because you went through or Sameach one time, or a student of his, or went to lectures from, uh, heard lectures from him somewhere around the world. Anybody sending in SMSs? Unfortunately, the computer uh, is not showing them to me right now, so I'm not ignoring you. It's just that it's not coming through right now. However, I'm sure it will be fixed shortly, so you could always send it in at 0621482374 is the WhatsApp line, 0621482374. You can send us an SMS, 34519, or email us at or call the old-fashioned way, 074-654-7335. It still works. Right before the break, we were discussing the way to success around... Uh, running a Shabbos table, and I'm sure it's it's uh, effective to running any family event or table or, or get-together or an opportunity for parents uh, and kids to, to to interact and to pass on the tradition of the beliefs and just to be family. And, Rabbi, you said two main points, I think. Number one, that children must... we got to create a situation that the children look up to it and wait look for forward. it. Look, look forward. Look forward to the Shabbos Sorry, table. Look forward to the Shabbos table. And not only that, we also have to understand that they want to enjoy it, be entertained, and not, uh, it's not another lecture. They or want class. communication as opposed to education. education. Does that okay. mean? Exactly. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't try to educate them, but you have to make sure that the children feel, the kids, especially teenagers, uh, that there is a certain communication. Communication generally means to do more listening than talking. Uh, this goes particularly for fathers uh, who tend to dominate conversations both with their wives and their children. Uh, and a lot, what's often overlooked is people who are in the educational uh, system. A teacher is often used to doing most of the talking in front of a classroom and feels, therefore, at the Shabbos table also they take over conversations at the Shabbos table, even interpersonal relationships. They okay. often... Uh, they often dominate. If See, you're that's not, why I'm keeping quiet now. I'm trying my best. You're doing very, you're doing, you're doing a very good job. What does it say? What does it say for me? So uh, yeah, no, I'm trying. Uh, like, but if, if you if you have any doubt, by the way, uh, if you're not sure, then uh, just ask some of your family members or friends. Uh, if you do tend to dominate, uh, for husbands, it's good to hear from a wife because wives can tell you honestly. Uh, whether and, you do or don't. And they'll let you know. Okay, so you gotta come to the table. So I, I'm assuming step one is to stay awake, and step two is to make sure that you're listening and not... Correct. Um, okay. If I could just go back to what you asked earlier about reaching that, uh, uh, the generation and the change in the generation. One of the uh, keys, and this is often overlooked by parents, parents are focused on pulling children into their world. That is what we parents feel we know better and we have the correct path, which is for the most part true. But experience shows that the best way to pull children into our world value system is by the parent understanding as much as possible their child's world. The more you try to understand them and their world, the more they are likely to respond and then be willing to enter your world. 
which means you know, I have to say it comes, which it has come up on the show before, and I think that it's a very valid point that connects to it, and and it's a completely on a different topic. One of the topics we've dealt with is in the show what happens with families and parents that immigrate from country to country. And I know that's a major topic, and I don't know if we'll get to it today, saying that part of the issue that came up is maybe parents that grew up in a certain culture and then move and their kids grow up in a different culture find it much harder to relate to what they're going through in the school system, in society, in life, and friendship. Very true. Very true. The acclimation process is often difficult, and it's often difficult for the kids. And parents, before changing countries or changing environments wherever they go, uh, do have to take into account the jolt to the system that it's going to create on teenagers, especially who have a circle of friends, go to a new school with different systems. And like somebody said, you know, voltage, uh, there's some voltage in the world works on 110 and some works on 220. What works on 220 doesn't work on 210. And 110, and what works on 110 doesn't work on 220. So you have to be very careful here. You do have to be very, very careful before making that jump. It actually can explode, I think, if you do it in the wrong way. It, it has <laughs> in many, yes. In, uh, in, in <laughs> many levels. <laughs> yes. In yes, many levels. So, and, so what would be the borderline? Because you could come and listen and listen and listen, but sometimes your child will maybe bring something inappropriate or something you don't want to hear on a Shabbos table or, or in a family uh, public uh, event or something embarrassing if there's a guest or something. Are you talking about verbally? Verbally, yeah. How do we, because con- on the one hand, we want to listen to their world and, li- and hear what they have to say. On the other hand, we, I don't know if we want to hear everything or for sure not Obviously, public. there's a line that parents have to draw between what's appropriate for public discussion and uh, that sort of thing. But to a certain extent, parents have to take the lead. Sometimes you'll find the father who's very eager, for example, very eager to discuss the Parsha. But if okay. he starts talking about the Parsha, often he finds that the teenagers get up and leave the table. Or, so there has to be a certain amount of Torah content at every table. But it doesn't have to be where you're drawing everybody's attention to it in a way that it turns it into a classroom. You could open up a discussion. Just like you open up. Nobody ever bangs on the table. You know, people sometimes will say, okay, now there's going to be a Devar Torah. Everybody's okay. familiar. Nobody ever says, okay, we're going to have a Dvar sports or a Dvar politics now. Everybody, <laughs> you don't have to introduce it. You can just start talking about it. You say something, hey, guys, did you hear that Korach got swallowed up by the earth? Or did you hear that there was a giant flood? You know, just start a conversation the same way you'd start any other conversation and allow the kids to become part of the conversation. What I have often found works at the Shabbos table is uh, 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 challenging halachic uh, uh, issues that have come up. For example, you want an example? For, for sure. Okay. Let's take an let's take a guy example. A guy gets into a bus. True story. Happened in Israel. Everything happens in Israel. Yeah, I'm sure. A, a guy gets onto the bus. Happened uh, in that already starts. I, so, you know that happened in Israel. <laughs> it okay. A guy gets on the bus, and he wants to put his baggage underneath in the baggage hold. The bus was going from Bnei Brak to Yerushalayim. And uh, he took a suitcase. They tried to put it in the baggage hold, but the baggage hold was full. So he climbed into the baggage hole to make to, to to create space for his suitcase, and the bus driver did not notice him, pushed the button, and he closed him into the baggage hold. Okay. And he drove from Bnei Brak to Yerushalayim. The guy was okay. He was banging on the bottom of the bus. For those nobody of our heard listeners, him. it's about 15 minutes to an hour drive. Uh, about a, Yeah, right. About an about hour. About an hour drive. About an hour. <laughs> he was in the okay. baggage hold, and he was begging. And uh, um, when he got to Yerushalayim, 
So he got out of the baggage hold. He was okay. He was a little bruised up. And he went to a rabbi to ask a question. I personally would have gone to, straight to a lawyer to file a lawsuit, but he went to a <laughs> rabbi. And he asked the following question. Does he have to pay for the trip? Because at the end of the day, he made it from B'nai Barak Jerusalem. Now, if you, could you imagine asking that question at the Shabbos table? Everybody's going to have an opinion. Everybody's going to have an opinion. The end of the story was he doesn't have to pay because any, opinions. any, any, <laughs> right, that's right. And everybody's got something to say at every age. And you can engage the entire family in what would be constitute a Torah discussion. Yeah, and the practical level, is there any resource that people could find these kind of questions? The stories are compared? Yes. Prepared? Good question, Rabbi G. Wow. I am impressed. The, uh, yes, there is as a matter <laughs> The reason of he's so impressed is because in his image, I'm still the, I knew, old, I knew Rabbi yeah, G as, a, as a youngster. Yeah, it's coming. <laughs> he's okay. come, come a long way, but we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. There are a lot of books there. There are books in English now, uh, in all the Jewish bookstores. There are books in English that have, there's one series called What If? Uh, okay. which is just intriguing halachi questions, things that you wouldn't believe, questions that you wouldn't believe. Uh, a guy walks into a shul and he sits down on the bench where somebody else had put his glasses. Is he liable to pay for those glasses, damage or not? Okay. You know, all sorts of questions like that. And that draws the attention and everybody everybody's, will get, everybody's involved. Even disinterested teenagers or teenagers trying to show themselves disinterested will, yeah. will then like offer that. an opinion. Okay. So, yeah, so there's always a way to, to try stimulate, to motivate, to stimulate. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, well, I think between lines, what you're saying is that Shabbos table, and I think one of our listeners has said that before when we were on one of the show, uh, one of the shows came in and he said, just like, um, the mother comes, uh, very prepared to her Shabbos meal, and she makes the food, otherwise it doesn't happen. The father or whoever leads it, or also the mother, or whatever it is, must come very prepared to her show. If, to his uh if you Shabbos notice table. if you notice in the uh the booklet uh the Shabbos how to run a Shabbos table, one of the very first paragraphs is when it talks about what the father must do, that the mother could sometimes prepare I wrote in the book, the mother sometimes may spend the better part of three days preparing for a Shabbos table. Whereas the father has barely had a chance to do anything other than take a very quick nap in shul during the chododi <laughs> to come to the Shabbos table. And therefore, there's the father's responsibility to focus. For many minutes, the only time and of the week. come prepared. Come prepared. And prepared doesn't mean, see, the problem when you come prepared, sometimes people ironically can become over-prepared. Well, I prepared it, now you're going to listen to it type of thing. And the father has to know, preparation can mean making a poem. Well, just uh, well, just like if a mother makes the food, you gotta eat it if you don't. Eat it well, yeah, right, yeah so. that's right. Or it was certainly complimented. So the complimented food. So, person got to We do have a question coming in. Yes, um, long one. Well, they rely on my reading. Good afternoon, Rabbi G. Thanks so much for the great show, and for the interesting guests that you always find to bring. If we are talking about Shabbos, here's the, where the question starts, I think. If we're talking about the Shabbos, how do I make my kids feel happy about all the things they cannot do on Shabbos, like technology, etc.? That is a very, very difficult question to answer. And the answer to that is where... Came unsigned, but thank you to the listener. Very good question, a very tricky question. And the answer is that if the family has... Shabbos doesn't exist in a, in a vacuum. If a family is living a life of Torah and a life of Ju- Judaism, Jewish commitment, so then Shabbos is another thing where children have to be taught they're part of an overall picture. 
it's a difficult thing. It's a difficult thing, but the emphasis to the killers has to be look at the benefit by not having technology, not being able to drive. That creates a situation where the family is together and is going to sit at the table and communicate three times in the course of 24 hours, which is almost unheard of in the rest of the world. There was actually Would a, that make a teenager happy? A or teenager say, stuck with you in the I, look at the teenager. <laughs> the teenager also doesn't exist in a vacuum. Well, it depends on the background, how the relationship with the parents and so on and so forth. But if the kids from the earliest age are raised in a upbeat approach to Judaism in general, then Shabbos becomes part of that upbeat approach. Jewish children, you know, a Jewish child. Think to yourself, a Jewish child is in, raised in a home, and from the earliest age, kids are uh, they play shul. Kids actually play shul. On Shabbos morning, their kids would be, and I was one guy puts on a big towel, he's the chazan, then you have the guy who's the gabai, and you have the guy who yells at the gabai, and they, you know, and <laughs> kids. they see, and the one falling asleep. And the one back. falling asleep, it always <laughs> ends with an ufruf where they throw candies. But you see, they're raised in that environment, and not turning lights on on Shabbos or not using technology is all part of the overall picture in a family that is upbeat about their Judaism in general. And when you point out to the kids that it's all part of the plan, and look at the many benefits you get. There was a young man who was once contacted. Everybody has heard of Rabbi Mayor Schuster, who was Zatzal, well-known as contact. Attracting everybody at the Kaisel. At the Kaisel, and yeah. he would go to the Western Wall, and he would bring the uninitiated. So he once met a young man named Timothy Ridgeway. Turned out Timothy Ridgeway was Jewish, and Rabbi Schuster asked him if he'd like to experience a traditional Friday night meal with a religious family. So he said, yeah. So he took him to the house, and very he took him to the house, and he said, I'll pick you up in two hours. And Timothy Ridgeway, after two hours, Rabbi Schuster came to him to pick him up. He said, Timothy, how was it? He said, hey, this was great. It was like having Christmas once a week. <laughs> because in his mind, said that's the only that's, time the family got together. So they once a year get together. And we do it three together. times in the course of 24 hours. So I think we have to take a Shabbos song for that. 101.9, in guest with Rabbi David Kaplan, uh, amazing educator, writer, uh, books, newspapers, and well-known speaker will be right back. This is Soul to Soul on 101.9 IFM. Okay, so if anything that you want to do for the community, just send it in to Mandy. Email it to Mandy and IFM will let the community know as, as always done. Always surprising. Okay, so back, back to the topic we were. Uh, we're in studio with Rabbi David Kaplan. And we were just broke, right before we broke off, we were discussing the issue of Shabbos and how to make it fun and interactive. And a question that came in is, how do I explain to my kids that, uh, to be happy with what they can't do with, the, like technology or things that are on, uh, on, not allowed on Shabbos? And we, while during the break, we discussed it a bit more, saying that it's really, uh, if your child is having a specific difficulty with Shabbos, it's kind of part of the big picture. I, it's not something to deal with on a on a local base. It's something to deal to deal about the relationship, about Shabbos, about Judaism, about who they are and what to say. Would that be a fair answer as part of the bigger picture? Uh, yes, it is part of the bigger picture. And um, it, again, I just want to emphasize. You know, there's obviously the philosophical explanation that God created the world, and therefore there are limitations, which are the basic reasons why we're not allowed to be engaged in creative activity on Shabbos. But People nowadays, especially uh, our generation and even certainly the current generation, we generally look at what's in it for me. Uh, anything that we're going to be committed to, what, what's in it for me? What's my takeaway over here? And a child who's raised in a home, it, it, there's so much that's uh, at work here 
what is the relationship between the parents. Uh, uh, there can be no end to the emphasis on how much a husband has to respect his wife, put his wife on a pedestal to create the necessary healthy family unit. Agreed 100%, and I'm sure my wife's listening now. (laughs) (laughs) My wife's in Israel, so hopefully she's not hearing this, but, uh, the, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the, 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 the marriage relationship is primarily on the husband's shoulders. Uh, I had one young man told me that, uh, Shalom Bias, uh, is 200% the husband's responsibility. So, you know, we'll give, we'll give him 1% that the ladies have to take. But at the end of the day, if the husband respects his wife, and by the way, at the Shabbos table, uh, we have a policy at home, and uh, I recommend this for all husbands all over, that no matter what the wife says at the Shabbos table, it's never wrong. So, for example, even if she says something... Forever. Ever. Well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> uh, but so, especially in public at the especially Shabbos Especially in public yeah. at the Shabbos table where she contributes to the conversation, even if she says something incorrect. For example, if a wife would say, uh, so let's say somebody brings up the name of the Chafetz Chaim, and the wife would say something like, oh, wasn't he a member of the Sanhedrin? Which he wasn't because Sanhedrin is about 2,000 years before. But the husband has, has to back, bend over backwards, say something like, well, actually he wasn't, but if there was a Sanhedrin today, he'd probably almost certainly be on the Sanhedrin. Or if she tries to answer the halachic question, that I, examples which I gave before, even if what she says is incorrect, what she said was a very special angle or an interesting insight or something to consider, something that helps her to save face has many, many benefits, both for the parents themselves and the children who then absorb the message of how much daddy respects, respects and, 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 and cherishes money. And I'm sure it gives a very pleasant environment. Nobody feels put down and, and, and gets connected. There's, we ha- we're really running out of time. We hardly even started. And something we didn't even speak about is the, fa- the foundations of public speaking. And the reason it's so important for me is because this is education. And I'm sure this is something that teachers would need to know and listen to. And it's a very strong part of their life, I'm assuming. Right, right. One thing, I don't know if you talk, touch about it in the book, but let me guess. Um, and I'll say it was about, I think, 10, 12 years ago. I'm not sure exactly when I um, was speaking at an event. I was just starting to speak in public, which I was petrified. It took me time to realize that people are not listening. In the beginning, I was very scary. And and I remember it was, uh, it was actually the yard set of my grandmother. And you were there, and when I finished, uh, you walked up to me and you said, uh, excuse me, I'm the one that says the jokes around here. <laughs> and I take, and the reason I'm saying it is because, which actually gave me a lot of confidence. I was just, just starting and in the beginning and the, it was very, very, uh, inspiring. Um, is that a part of the it's book? It's certainly a part of the book. Uh, I, I don't remember the actual incident. Uh, I'm flattered that you remember something I said to you. The impact uh, on me was much greater. I, guess. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't, what, one of the things I emphasize in the book is in the fundamentals of public speaking is that uh, as a speaker, go with your strengths. Uh, there's one something that people will often hear, which I disagree with, that when you start a talk, always start off with a joke or uh, uh, some sort of something light. I, I disagree because uh, if you're not somebody who's normally seen as having a sense of humor, there's no reason to think you'll have a sense of humor in public. Okay. Uh, it could only side derail you if a joke falls flat, then you lose your confidence. That ruins the rest of the talk. To the contrary, 
you could start off with what you're, the audience people say, well, start off something like to get their attention. They're, they're already attentive at the beginning. Give them a few minutes to fall asleep. Then Give them their the credit. <laughs> then they'll, then they'll lose it. But you start off with something interesting. I didn't say a joke, but it should be something that's interesting. And the rule is generally, if you found it interesting when you heard it, read it, or came across it, so chances are other people will as well. So I think that's a very powerful point, and, and to those of us who do, do teaching and lecturing, be natural. That's right. Be yourself. Be, be yourself. And and unless you're one of the world's great orators like uh, Winston Churchill or Menachem Begin or people like that, uh, I think that a conversational style with a little bit of flair, because you are in public, uh, a little bit of added flair. You have Mandela, by the way. But but for, yeah. for you know, the great public speaker, unless you're a great orator, I think that conversational style uh, is generally the one and uh, that, 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 that goes over best with people. They see that you're a real person and what you're saying is uh, is genuine as opposed to trying to put on a show. Which brings me back to the... We started off with uh, a quote of a student who says once, what does my teacher know that Google doesn't? And I'm sure it has to do with the way you give over the Of course, of course. Uh, Of course, a teacher comes across as as, uh, some robotic... uh, uh, Just giving over information rarely inspires and rarely connects uh, a person people connect with people people don't connect with machines uh, people push buttons on machines and people send sms's on machines but people connect with people and you have to come across i would say one point in public speaking that you always have to keep in mind is there's a tremendous amount of what we call bain adam uh man to man consideration in public speaking. when you're the speaker always realize that there's an audience on the other end uh, long is not necessarily good to the contrary the better the shorter generally Brevity is more appreciated. And if you're the one who's speaking, so make sure that your content is interesting because uh, you have people who are, you have an audience is essentially captured at your mercy for the next 45 minutes or hour or whatever it is. And therefore make sure that what you're saying is something that, uh, that, that will uh, captivate our interest. Completely, which is actually brings, I think one of the biggest issues is that uh, we, in, in a speech, speech, if you really want to get the message across, you got to be, very excessive. You don't have to expose all your knowledge at once. Correct. I mean, it's not a common not a mistake. Idea, but yeah, too much sometimes is overwhelming, and people won't uh, won't get to it. So, be natural. Be yourself. Uh, sense of humor could work, but if it's you, correct. At a certain level, and 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 yeah, and and you know, one thing I, I do have to say. I hope it's okay that I'll share. I will. I will Please. use names. Uh, something that we you told me as we were walking in. Uh, we were discussing um, the issue that you've been a rabbi many years in Arsamech and giving shir for years. And and there was one student, and this I'm going to send to the students, that would come to you every day after the lecture and say thank you. And eventually, uh, when he left, he actually was South African, came back to South Africa. The next day, you missed him. Correct, correct. Which I think is something very powerful that we have to understand. That we but we're talking about every single day. After every single day, after a single class, he would come over to me and say, Rabbi, thank you for the class. Thank you for the, oh, and, for the and class. And I didn't even, I didn't even at the time wondered why is he thanking me. And he'd come over every single day. And it was the day that he left the yeshiva and didn't come over to thank me. They realized how much I appreciated it. Right. Which I think links in very strongly to understanding that a teacher, a lecturer... It's got to create a, a, a personal communication, and and which would bring the student also to appreciate because we're all human and we're teaching and we're passing on in a very um, friendly way. Right, and the best way to show appreciation, by the way, is by sending cash. 
Right. We take checks and traveler's checks also. Uh, oh, dude. And credit cards too, but cash I is always know. a cash. We're is key. Rens. I don't know if you really, uh, <laughs> we work with Rens. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I, I do have to say that, um, for the one time in my life, I'm very grateful to allow since I understand that you came here for one day and you're stuck here because there's no flights back till Thursday. Saying that, uh, a lot of things are going to happen in the next few days. We're taking advantage of you being uh, here in South Africa. So if anybody wants any information, you could contact me directly, RabbiGSA at gmail.com. I will try. If anything happens, I will let you know. Otherwise, we will have to wait for the next visit. And thank you so much, Rabbi Calvin, for being here. It's been a complete pleasure, lots of knowledge, and very uh, uh, special and uh, wise moments. Thank you, thank you. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it very much. Okay, thank you so much, Rabbi Kaplan. So, this show has come to an end, and as usual, we will say goodbye and see you again, or hear you again, or meet you again next Monday, 2 to 3. Chai Chinuch with Rabbi G. Have a great day, great week. We'll hear you next week.